Welcome, welcome, guys. We are back for another episode of The Lock-In. I'm David Lappin. I am joined, as usual, for the, I think, 44th time by my fellow Unibet ambassador and now a poker star in Finland, Dara O'Carney. Uh, Dara, how was your Christmas and New Year? Um, Christmas and New Year was very good. I'm glad we stopped numbering these episodes. Lock-In 44 doesn't have quite the same appeal as <laughs> whatever we're going to end up calling it. Um yeah, it's been good. Um, I did get accused of looking like a NASCAR driver in that in that Finnish documentary that you referred to. Um, I would like to point out there's actually a couple of more patches that could have gone on, but so I'm actually showing restraint in the, in, in this area. How many sponsors can one man have? <laughs> yeah, well, um, you could probably have more than me because it's you know more shirt shirt space. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, we're, we're going to cut off this line of questioning immediately now. Look, I had Omicron over Christmas, so we did a literal lock-in for, I think, about 14 days. Uh, not much fun in the uh, Lappin Harford household here. Uh, the worst part was I lost my taste. Some people would say I never had any in the first place. Uh, I also lost my smell, but fortunately, they did come back. Um, this is our first lock-in of 2022, which obviously feels sort of like the third year of 2020. Uh, imagine some people can relate to that. Uh, there are some stricter restrictions coming in, but there is also some reason for optimism. And we're all clinging on to that optimism right now. It does seem like this Omicron wave of the COVID virus, while obviously very infectious, is milder and is going to be a lot shorter. So fingers crossed we might be able to play some live poker come, I don't know, maybe late February, some semi-normality by mid-February. Let's hope. Let's hope. With that in mind, I'm definitely hoping to play live poker in the spring when it comes back. How about you, Dara? Yeah, I was hoping to play golf for um, the end of January, but unfortunately, that was one of the uh, one of the casualties. Um, maybe a little prematurely because all of the noises coming out from the government here now are that Omicron doesn't isn't causing the same degree of deaths and hospitalizations and all the other problems we also have the most uh, boosted population in europe right now um so in terms of protection ireland is definitely one of the, the more protected places um a lot of people are asking about the irish open obviously that's on a lot of people's minds but that's not due until april so i think we have very strong grounds for optimism that things will be back to relative normality by then yeah, I agree with you. It does feel like any early information we're getting means that this wave could be sort of sharp and short, and maybe we will be able to do some fun stuff in the spring. EPT uh, Prague is in March, I believe, maybe like the 7th to 16th of March, something around that. That seems like maybe a good opportunity for people to get back together again on the live poker circuit in Europe. Speaking with the powers that be in Unibet, we have no confirmation as of yes uh, about the return of Unibet Opens Live, but it is hoped that the autumn might be the time for those. In the meantime, I know we're open to some partnerships, so Previous partners, fingers crossed, we can maybe, you know, do some business with them and have some Unibet branded live events in the summer and maybe even in the spring as well. Fingers crossed for those. Speaking of live poker, we do have a guest this week uh, and, and don't think we've just left him hanging just on the on, on the third screen for the last little while. He isn't going to join us until a little bit later on. He's a very busy man, especially around this time of year. He is GPI President Eric Danny, and we will be asking him all about the GPI rankings for 2021, maybe the GPI rankings for 2022 and how Maybe they'll be different. I don't know if they will. And the upcoming GPI Global Poker Awards. Before that, though, we have got some news stories to cover, Dara. First up, Run It Once has closed their poker site. Uh, not their hugely successful training site, I might add, with a plan now to pivot to a new life in legal and regulated markets in the USA. Run It Once CEO Phil Galfond announced the site's closure on December 30th, explaining that all games would stop on January 3rd, which they did. Players have exactly three months to claim their balances. Dara, this is obviously a huge disappointment. There's no question that Phil and his team are straight shooters and very player-focused in the way they conduct themselves. It's also... Perhaps not hugely surprising either, though, 
Um, the site never really gained any significant market share and the lack of tournaments, as I suppose the ultimate poker Trojan horse really did hobble them a little bit in terms of getting players to sign up and, and join the site and then obviously jump into the side games, the cash games when they busted those tournaments. So I'm guessing that couldn't have helped either. Your thoughts? We don't want to be too results based. Um I know from my previous uh, incarnation as as a tech consultant that there's just massive variance in terms of what works and what doesn't work. Sometimes something which seems like an absolutely brilliant idea just doesn't catch on. One thing, typically, one thing derails it. One regulatory change, one market change. Um, it, it's very very hard to say. And other things which you know don't seem very promising catch on like wildfire. And people in the business world. <clears throat> often tend to be very results-based. I remember the first company that I ever worked for, it was, it was the first hugely successful Irish software company, Ionize. They were like the geniuses who broke the mold and, and you know put Irish software on the map. Now, they were just lucky. <laughs> they happened to have a product which worked and they hadn't really put any great thought into it and it just caught fire. Those three guys went on to other companies over the course of their career and literally run them all into the ground. Nothing ever worked again. And, you know, they didn't just suddenly lose their genius, I don't think. It's, it, it just shows that there is a large amount of variance there. So I would uh, say bear that in mind in a world where everything had gone right for run at once. And, um, and, and, and now they were the, the GG. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame. I do think the lack of tournaments was definitely a, a huge own goal. Yeah, Phil wrote quite a lengthy blog, sort of giving more detail after his announcement. He said, we've poured our hearts, minds and souls into Run at Once Poker. We didn't accomplish anything that we set out. Sorry, we didn't accomplish everything that we set out to, but we're far from finished. It's great to hear him obviously so determined to still make something of the poker playing software. It is obviously a valuable piece of kit maybe to somebody else if that was an exit strategy possibility clearly he's thinking more about keeping the brand together for himself and maybe being able to get into the u.s market which you know is obviously sort of going to open up in a way that it's going to be the wild west again and everyone's going to be trying to gobble up market share maybe starting from a similar position of having none obviously some companies might have an advantage with their infrastructures and whatnot but it, it does feel like there is uncharted territory there for for people to go after Doug Polk was very blunt in his criticisms of Run It Once. He took to Twitter to say, I appreciate the spin, but the reality is Run It Once took a huge L with a terrible strategy of no MTTs. We mentioned that. Reg-based player pool and entering an incredibly competitive market without any unique value. The pivot makes little sense, but the initial plan was just really poorly thought out. To push back on that slightly, it's certainly not true that they ended up with a reg-based player pool, although I see why you would think that, as I think we mentioned, maybe uh, you know, on the chip race uh, around the time when the site was being launched, that did seem like it could be an initial problem. Uh, in reality, it bore out that it wasn't a particularly reg-heavy site. Um, I spoke to Phil a couple of days ago, actually, about coming on this show, which obviously we would love to have him on uh, to talk about all of this. He told me that he would love to come on, but he thought it made more sense to do so in a couple of months' time when he would know more and also be able to perhaps talk about more. So for the moment, I guess we can put a pin in that story and move on to another poker closure. <laughs> it does seem like it is the season for it at the moment. Poker shares has stopped offering odds. The brainchild of Mike McDonald, the more informal Bank of Timex morphed into the prominent sports betting platform poker shares in 2017. Poker shares allow players and fans to wager on various poker events and tournaments, but as of this month, they have decided to shut up shop. They tweeted, uh, and this is from a week ago, next week will be five years since we launched, and unfortunately, we've decided the time is right to conclude this journey. It has been a rewarding experience to help make the poker staking market more efficient, give fans at home more skin in the game, and allow the community to have a better perspective on how the market tends to rank various players. Dara, first up, do you think they did make poker staking and the poker staking market more efficient and maybe transparent? I mean, I think they did in the sense that it no longer required a personal relationship between the the the, the, the player and the person who wanted to take an interest in them. Um, you know, if you wanted to buy a piece of a player in the World Series, 
first of all, that player had to be willing to sell it. And secondly, you kind of had to be able to get in contact with them and, and come to some sort of arrangement. So it was quite an, an, an inefficient model. Now, that said, I think when it was announced, a lot of people were like, oh, all those players who are gouging the market with their, with their insanely their um their comeuppance and and poker shares will undercut them and that really didn't happen <laughs> in 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 every single case i know poker shares were charging more than the players were charging um now that's understandable because they have a profit margin etc cetera, etc cetera. but but it was interesting to me that the the people who take an enormous interest in other people's markup who are almost never the people who actually buy um, they're just people who, you know, marketplace, market nasties, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> they just go around sniffing their nose going, 1.4 is far too high for this person. This person selling 1.8. They never went after poker shares. You know, they, they would be complaining about some guy who was selling for the World Series. And then uh, poker shares would put them up at 1.8 and not a, not, not a peep of protest. So it, it, it was quite funny. Um, maybe it made the market more inefficient in, in that it just shut those people up because they saw that this company, which was, which was doing it as a business, um, were actually charging more than the players. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it is quite funny to reflect on. It's almost like one of those how it started and how it ended up things. Well, it is fair to say that we do see people, I guess, gouge the market on occasion. And usually around WSOP time, that spirals into the full-throated arguments on Twitter that are described. Various forums get involved as well. There is the age-old debate, I guess, about whether some high-profile players are doing something wrong by charging a very high premium, whether it's fine to do so as well. And the mar- let the market decide. That's often another perspective shared. Poker shares definitely did end up with steeper odds on occasion uh, than maybe you could have got off the uh, the player themselves, got it from the horse's mouth. But it is also fair to say that, you know, their juicy fig aside, there were a few occasions when they did sell players for, say, like the main event, um, you know, players who were selling at 1.2. We noticed a few of these, Dara, I think maybe uh, a couple of summers ago, uh, that poker shares were then offering at like 0.98 or something. <laughs> and I suppose maybe those ones stood out as perhaps some people gouging the marks. They didn't tend to be these huge big name players, although maybe there were examples of that as well. Uh, what did you make of those occasions when maybe people who, I guess... I suppose what I'm describing is people who are maybe not super famous players who can kind of go to the open market in in that sense, but more likely players who have very good networking with maybe very well off people and they could maybe privately gouge. And now that looked a little trickier when they were put up at not even maybe a markup, maybe a markdown. Yeah, there were some examples of that. And I think this is something that the people who are enormously interested in other people's markups often overlook. It's it's generally not the people who are charging the highest markups that are actually the worst investments. Now, obviously, they, they, they may be bad investments. I'm not saying that everybody who sells at 3.5 for the main <laughs> event is, is worth 3.5. But from my perspective, when I, whenever I looked at a list of markups, those people, I you know, you could argue whether they were too high or not and it's it, it to be honest it's impossible to know there were other players further down that you would look at and you go like i i know for a for an absolute fact that that's a losing player um i know how they play um i know i know their life record is is, is as a lose is, is as a losing player i know they can't beat online etc etc and they're still selling at you know 1.25 now generally the market police didn't go after them because they look at 1.25 and go well that seems quite reasonable and uh, let's let's let, let's jump up to the next one the big name who's charging uh, 2.0 and go after him <laughs> but but i think poker shares was good in identifying those people in particular and going well they're not 1.25 they should be selling it marked down um <clears throat> 0.98 or you know there were some of the older school live pros who were i think poker shares sold at 0.90 um which you know Again, I'm not sure whether they really thought they were 0.90. Similar to Paddy Power, Paddy will often put up ridiculous bets just to get <laughs> people talking about it and people thinking about the site. So you always have to question the incentives there. But yeah, I, I, I do think, just rearing on my point, when people look at these things, first of all, it's kind of like nobody's business what people charge. If somebody can get their friends to pay 1.25 and they're actually a losing player, you know, more power to them. 
um, you're, you're giving the person a sweat and it would be impossible anyway to tell in the long term what the, what, what the correct rate would be. Um, but, uh, but, but, but yeah, it's, 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 it's one of those areas which people get really worked up about for, for some reason. I don't know. It's, 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 it's bizarre to me. We don't see this in other areas. We don't people see people going after training sites or people going after book authors and saying your book is 23 quid on Amazon too much. That's, that's far too much. It should only be 21. Um, but markup is an area where for some reason people get very, very interested. They do. And I guess maybe they feel a, a personal connection or I don't know, but it does. You're right. It does seem to attract us. And, uh, and and I guess people are maybe, you know, a bit too high and mighty about wanting sort of a, a level playing field or a, a just system there where in reality you can't create one. All you can do is create a market and all you can do is have that market maybe regulated by the moaners um, to whatever degree them moaning creates a very small shame culture where people don't feel like they can go too far, but that maybe that's the best you can get. Moving on, uh, Bilzerian versus Polk. I mentioned Doug briefly earlier. He's obviously putting a lot of time into his podcast lately. Fair play to him. He had on that podcast, Dan Bilzerian, last week. I think a lot of people surprised to see Dan go on a podcast um, and maybe even more surprised to see him come out swinging in the way that he did. It was a very awkward, shall we say, beginning to that podcast where there were no airs and graces. It was barely a welcome. And actually what we had was from Ball One, Bilzerian coming after Doug. Um, did you watch this, Dara? Uh, no, I have honest. To, I only heard. Uh, you have to understand, like my, my consumption of poker content that isn't strategy related is zero, literally zero. I just don't watch or listen to any podcasts um, that don't have any strategy content. I'm, you know, when, what, when do you say, what are you saying? Bilzerian couldn't have provided, you know, some strategy nuggets along the way that you could have, you know, absorbed? Um, I didn't feel it was going to be that kind of podcast, to be honest. And and also, like, I mean, the timing for us was like, you know, middle of, middle of the evening. It's just terrible timing. Um, I might watch something like that on a wind down, you know, at 2 a.m. when everybody's asleep and I'm one tabling. Um, I'm not I'm, I'm not going to watch it at, at, at the time that it went out. Um, yeah. So, you know, again, I, I can only go on the on directions of people. A lot of people said that Bill Zeri did a lot better than expected and their sort of opinion of him went up. But, you know, um, not having watched it, I can't say how convincing the man was. Um, um, and um, yeah, there was a lot of criticism of, of Doug. People felt Doug came across very badly, um, that he sort of let, allowed himself to be railroaded, wasn't particularly well prepared. Doug's new in this space as well. Um, he's kind of used to doing the scripted, um, you know, hand breakdowns, et cetera, et cetera, which, he's very, which he's, he's, he's always been very good at. This is difficult where you have, you know, a live target who, who, who's actually shooting back at you. Um, and I guess it's a learning experience for him. Yeah. And I have to say, I did see it. And while I have heard some of the more extreme criticism of Doug, I wouldn't agree with the extreme version, but I would say that he probably on reflection would think, oh, I wish I had some better follow ups or better follow up questions or sort of maybe forced him to um, go into the weeds on a, a few of the issues where he maybe was allowed to give his version with minimal pushback. But I don't think there was no pushback. I think Doug actually handled himself quite well, uh, particularly after maybe the initial onslaught, which maybe put him on the back foot. I have to say, and I know we've already given it some time, but I don't really want to give this story too much time because having watched it, and I did watch it, my overwhelming feeling was that Bilzerian quite effectively used his appearance to further propagate that false mythology about himself and his claims to being a self-made man and his various gargantuan wins that he claims. To be fair to Doug, he did push back as I said, probably mostly on the clear holes all over Bilzerian stories where he would sort of waffly say, oh, well, I won 400K that month and that's 5 million in a year. And then he'd go, oh, well, obviously I didn't win 5 million that year because like that was just my best month and I had losing months. And Doug's like, yeah, duh. Like that's kind of the point I'm trying to make to you. And you're sort of trying to spin 400K good month on Bowdog into see how I made all this money on my own. I'm great. Um, but ultimately, I think. Bilzerian did succeed in getting his BS, frankly, more airtime. And I don't think uh, Doug went into the weeds enough on 
say, his father's two bankruptcies in 1991 and 2001 and a judge's accusation that he hid his assets in various companies and trusts, including the trust fund for Dan himself. Also, and this isn't really Doug's fault because Bilzerian seemed utterly dense, I have to say, to what satire is, but there was far too much time at the beginning spent on the minutia of Thomas Keeling's funny edits in comedy videos and not nearly enough time spent critiquing Bilzerian's misogyny and various legal issues, like when he kicked model Vanessa Castano in the face, his arrest in 2014 on bomb-making charges, how the former Ignite president, Curtis Heffernan, who they did mention briefly, sued Dan for wrongful termination, claiming he was fired for criticizing Dan's misappropriation of company funds to perpetuate his lavish lifestyle. And I think that included like renting the house that he claims to own, uh, which is some huge mansion. Anyway... Got my rant out of the way, Darren. I really wanted to get that out of my system, you can tell. Without further ado, we are going to bring in Eric Danny. Uh, it's time now for the president of GPI and the Hendon Mob. He is the organizer of the upcoming GPI Global Poker Awards. He is our great friend, Eric Danny. Eric, welcome to the lock-in. Thank you. <laughs> nice to be on. It's good to have a streak of Canadians now. Jennifer Tilly was on last time. So I like that the streak is continuing. We love the Canucks on this show. Yeah, no, That's big right. fans, big fans. Um, first up, Eric, I know you are insanely busy today. <laughs> I believe you spent the morning finalizing and confirming all the GPI country winners. In fact, I think I got the email in my inbox just before we got you on. Can you tell us a bit right. about that? Yeah, the process is, is I was going to say fun. It's not fun. It's funny in the sense that we can prepare as much as we want, but there's always last second tournaments that come in, especially on the national level. And this morning we had a, a change in one of our players of the year. So, you know, not, I'm not on the, uh, the, uh, the major ones, but on one of the national levels in Australia. So you can prepare all you want for this. And we have been preparing for weeks. It doesn't matter. It's about what this morning, uh, this morning's rankings, um, you know, uh, put out. We could take a few days to do it, but we like that it's, you know, really, we, we try to get as many tournaments as possible on Monday and Tuesday. We were contacting TDs around the world to try to get some of their results. And we did. So we appreciate that from all the TDs worldwide that helped us make sure that this uh, POI was uh, an official one and one with uh, the most results that we could capture uh, by, the, uh, by today. Well, at this point, I want to create my own birther conspiracy. I couldn't help but notice I'm second on the Irish GPI list. And the guy who's in front of me is I want to say Bulgarian Irish. I, I I don't know what his claims to Irishness are, but whatever they are, and they're probably legitimate. I would like to have them delegitimized so that I can somehow have this award. Now, is there anything you can do for me there, Eric? Uh, not for 2021, but I'll be there for, right for you there, David, in 2022. <laughs> oh, okay. Let, let me let me just get this straight. So, so David Lappin, who got himself reclassified in Pocket Fives as Maltese, so that he would be higher up, <laughs> who lives in Malta. Is literally shitting on Alex Kurev, right. who grew up in Ireland, started playing in the fits, <laughs> and has come up through the ranks. Sorry, David, no, not not by it. Team Alex here. And one all, POI I, all I can it. say is I think I'm lower on the Maltese rankings than I was on the other ones in my defense. <laughs> hey, a lot of geniuses in Malta, you know that. A lot of uh, internet geniuses in Malta, <laughs> so that could be a bad move there, David. <laughs> Lots of love for Alex. I don't think I even qualified with the minimum points, so I'm glad he did. He's a great lad. And actually, he's on our next show. Ch check out our oh, next great. episode of The Chip Race. We interview him. He's fantastic. Please congratulate um, him for me. I will indeed. Eric, you made the decision in 2020. Well, I don't know if you did, but your, your team did, to include some online tournament results on people's hand and mob records. Why did you do that? Uh, well, I mean, to be honest, it was out of need at first. Uh, we 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 didn't have any work and I didn't want to let anyone go. And it was that drastic at that point. We, you know, we weren't having uh, results inputted and I just had a conference. It's been asked of us for such a long time, especially for the major events. Uh, and it was two, the decision was, I guess, threefold. Yes, it was to give the staff something to do, you know, while we waited for, for, uh, for, for live poker to come back. Um, it was also, there was a request, you know, from the players. And it was also that the, our, our, our partners, uh, a lot of them are internet sites, online sites, sorry. Um, you know, why not do that for them? And if that's something that's available, uh, we had some strict restrictions. We wanted real names. We wanted to make sure that it was the right info. Uh, so some of our uh, some of our uh, providers can't do that for us, but others can. So we said, why not? We had 
chat with Lance Bradley, who was with Pocket Fives at the time. I wanted to make sure that it wasn't impeding on our relationship with them. And he thought, and they thought it was a good idea for us to add them. Um, and that's what we we're going to continue to do. To be honest, right now, it's a, it's a mess in the sense that we have so many to add and then so many live events to add. So, but, uh, you know, we added, we added a good old Kev Math to help out with that. So I'm sure he'll be able to, uh, to handle the extra workload. <laughs> Well, you mentioned Kevmat there a few weeks ago. You made that, I want to say, huge acquisition, adding the legend that is Kevmat to your team. Congratulations. He is quite the MVP signing. What will Kevin's role be going forward? I think the role is the role of what everyone does. So, all of us enter results. All of us enter, you know, tournament information. Uh, you know, so that's at the base. Uh, we'll definitely want Kev Matthews' his expertise. He's been heavily involved in the awards of participation, uh, trying to get some submissions, asking people for submissions and all of that. So, you know, in every single meeting that I've had with Hans, that used to be just with Hans, it's been with Kevin as well. And that's a breath of fresh air to add as well. You know, talking about categories and such, Kevin can add to that. Funny enough, Kevin's always been uh, involved in our awards process. Uh, he's always helped out, always, you know, throughout the year would send us some, hey, here's an article, here's a result that was quite impressive and, you know, out of nowhere and all of that. So Kevin will do that. Um, you know, definitely be an ambassador for us. Uh, but I count on him with all of his contacts. Uh, you know, one of the things we want to improve on the Mob, we want people to come to us, not just for results, but for also for schedules. And, you know, it's something that wasn't part of the company's philosophy beforehand. Uh, that we want to focus on now. A, it helps grow our websites, of course, but B, it's also we want people to, when they come to our website, not only find out, hey, you know, this is my result from two weeks ago. Oh, by the way, when's the next tournament here? When's the next tournament, you know, in Europe and all of that. So Kevin's going to be and already has been a key for that. And to be fair, Kevin is, is someone that I thought of bringing in four or five years ago when he had uh, been let go with his previous employment. And it just didn't make sense then. Uh, But now there was an opportunity. We had the most awkward of uh, breakfasts together where um, it was sort of a date scenario where he knew what I wanted. I knew what he wanted. We both wanted the same thing, but it took about an hour to get that out. You know, the, the, the good old polite French Canadian, you know, t- takes a while to, to, you know, blurt out. And if you ask my wife, she'll agree with that. So I'm, I'm very slow at uh, getting the grift and, and make sure that everything is, is taken care of. But an hour later, we actually shook hands on, uh, on a deal. So once we started talking about business, uh, Kevin was all in. And I really appreciated that. Uh, Kevin is someone that not only I respect, but I care for a lot. He's a uh, when I came into the industry, he did a lot for me to expose me as a as an up and comer. And here we are now, you know, trying trying to get uh, Kevin on our team. And I know that we had a little over the top a trailer or or a cinematic uh, introduction to for him, but I thought that was uh, warranted. And there's one person in poker that deserves uh, the fanfare. It is uh, Kevin Mathers. Yeah, absolutely agree. And I'm glad you used the word ambassador there because it it certainly uh, fits uh, with Kevin. I think he's always somebody, Dara, who seems to go above and beyond the call of duty, whatever that duty is. He obviously has held different roles in our industry and he's wonderful at them all, but he is the guy who will go off and find you some information or already know it to begin with. And, you know, is, is sort of perpetually patient with everyone. Right. Very much so. Yeah, absolutely. He is. Yeah. And actually funny enough, you sent me the list of things we were going to talk about and stuff I had to think about before so I'd have something to say and one of them just to spoiler it slightly is is um who we think should win different awards one of them was best industry person even before we started talking about Kevin when I was thinking about this before Kevin was the person who immediately sprang to mind um because you know my my view on who an industry person is or what their role should be is is how, is how much value they add to players um it's a very player-centric role and Nobody adds more value to players over the course of his career than than, than Kevin. He's always been the go-to guy on, on on everything. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's just uh, well. We're just so lucky to have him. I think, frankly, like you know, maybe other industries are lucky enough to have their Kev Mats, but um, he has sort of carved out a, a role for himself. Maybe from at the beginning, from from no official role, and now he sort of seems like we couldn't do without him, which is which is great. Um, and, and thank you, I suppose, on behalf of the poker community for formalizing that in a relationship with a company such as yourselves, where he'll probably be able to maximize his influence and impact. And I think that's great for everyone going forward. To the GPI Poker Awards, because that is the thing that's coming up. It's about, I don't know, six weeks away now. Uh, The ceremony will be held at Aria Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. It's on Friday, February 18th. 
and it will be live streamed on Poker Go. Of course, that's a partnership you guys have set up. Talk a little bit about that three-year partnership that you set up, Eric, because I imagine that's hugely important for you in planning. It is. I mean, that was the, um, you know, in, in first our talks with with Carrie Katz and with uh, Brent Hanks, uh, you know, that's something that I had brought up on our end that, you know, we basically have a, a, a great partnership with Poker Go. Uh, it all involves data on each side, actually, you know, uh, we work with them, try to get their, their, some of their quality photos, try to get all of their information for their websites, help them with the, um, the uh, Poker, Go, uh, Poker Go tour information and Poker Go tour uh, race. And on the other end, you know, one of the most important parts for me was the, the legacy of the awards. And, you know, a few years ago, Sam Simmons and I sat down almost like a Kev Math and I, uh, you know, meeting where it took about an hour to, to get things rolling. But when, when I heard that he wanted the awards to be on Poker Go, that was monumental for us. The problem is it's always been, you know, one year, one year, one year, you know, almost like January when everything is decided, not enough time. Whereas this time around, I were able to secure a three-year deal, which, you know, gives us a lot more room to breathe. Funny enough, it still always goes down to the wires or we're panicking and working our, our butts off, of course, <laughs> throughout Christmas and throughout the start of the new year. Uh, but it was, you know, it was important for us to, to have that part of our partnership with Poker Go. And we really, really appreciate them. And I get to work. I always say I get to work with Maury Iskandani and, and people from his team. And to be able to say that you get to work with Maury is kind of a really cool thing in poker. And, you know, one of the most uh, honored moments of my career is always uh, the awards night with Maury around. So I uh, can't wait to work with Maury again in a few a few weeks. And uh, just happy to have him uh, around for three years. And again, it just solidifies the awards. Uh, we'd love to have the awards of the year, but they cost a boatload of money. You two would know this, but it, it costs a lot of money to put these on and to have a partner like Poker Go taking on some of that cost responsibility is really important. No, you're absolutely right. We know exactly what you mean, because this show is extremely expensive to make, as you can tell. And, uh, you, know, <laughs> we, you know, joking aside, we obviously would be lost without the, uh, the patronage of Unibet Poker. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure how aware I would be of how expensive it is to make an award <laughs> show. It, it does look expensive, in fairness, and people dress up. So uh, it, it looks good. The final product is excellent. Um, and speaking, I suppose, of great industry people, you, you mentioned Maury there. He, he certainly won the fits bill. I'm starting to get this weird impression that maybe you would be very, uh, you'd be a very bad speed dater, Eric. And maybe, you know, we need to get oh, you terrible. Know, <laughs> you need oh, a little yeah. bit more time, maybe by dessert, uh, you're, you're, you're willing to, <laughs> right. to, to, to reveal your true intentions. That's right. That's right. Very much so. Again, ask my wife and she'll tell you that's exactly the case. <laughs> but once I'm in, David, I am committed. I that's am it. in. Just like, just, just grab on like a barnacle. You can't that's be, right. Don't, don't, don't There's a point of no return. <laughs> Great stuff. Well, look, there will be a total of, I believe, 26 awards, or maybe there are more being added. I'm not sure. In 2019, we obviously were very gratified to win the award for best podcast of 2018. Dara has the trophy there behind him somewhere. I want to say it's probably over his uh, yeah, left shoulder. There it is. Yeah, just about in shot, just about in shot. Um, when we won, of course, Daniel Legrand, who famously spread the rumor that we had rigged us, uh, that we'd infiltrated the jury somehow, in what I can only assume was a backlash against us personally. You changed the voting system in 2020, which meant that we couldn't rig it. And not only did we not win, but you ended up cheapening the GPI brand horribly by giving uh, Best Podcast to Jennifer Shahade and The Grid. Don't understand why you did that. Uh, seems like you threw the baby out with the bathwater. There, are, there were no awards, obviously, in 2021, but you've changed the system again, I believe. How has it changed and how easy will it be for us to rig it this time? <laughs> I guess a little more complicated. The, the, the voting system is actually not just similar, but the same. It's the same as last time. We just added, there's a long read uh, form that uh, almost like, I almost like I got legal to write it, but it wasn't. It was just us to make sure that every step is is taken care of, um, you know, publicly, and to to make sure. So we just made updates to that uh, list. But no, same same style of voting. At the time of this recording, you two gentlemen would be getting ballots uh, tomorrow in about twenty four hours uh, for the preliminary round. So there's two rounds of voting for the votable awards. So there'll be a preliminary round uh, vote where all the submissions that we receive from people like you, from fans, uh, from other people in the industry, uh, will all be on a preliminary list. We used to call it the short list, but those lists are not short anymore, especially in the podcast category. Sorry to inform you. Um, gladly for you, of course, the four GPI and THM podcasts, not eligible to win. So We've, we've, you know. we've hired a, lo a, a lobby 
company now who are going to help us campaign this year. I think that's what we decided. It was going to, we were just going to put all our money that we don't spend on this show into that. That's a very smart move on your part. I like it. <laughs> so once that is determined, and we use a Oscars a Academy Award style formula, you know, we love our formulas here at the GPI uh, to determine uh, who makes the final ballot. And then, then that'll start. And I'm mixing up the days, but seven or eight days after the preliminary round. And then you all receive your final ballots. We then announce the final four. By that time, the winner is already known, uh, but not to the public. And basically Hans and I will be the only two to know, uh, Hans Kleinsman, of course. And after that, we will all uh, get together in Las Vegas, hopefully we can have people from around the world join us. We'll see how that works out uh, with travel and such, but um, we'll all be in Las Vegas, have a couple of a glass of champagne and uh, have the winners uh, presented there. Great stuff. Well, awards recipients will include the winners in various GPI player of the year races. We talked about, that earlier we talked about Alex obviously uh, is the tippy top of the Irish ones there will also be the GPI poker player of the year the female player of the year and the GPI mid-major player of the year recognizing players scoring uh, points in events with a buy-in I think lower than $2,500 that is quite a nice addition Dara do you agree Um, yeah I do agree yeah it's uh, it's it's Poker has been kind of skewed, I guess, like poker by the arrival of the high rollers and the super high rollers. And this is something Phil Helmut in particular has raged about in the past. Um, so that when you look at money lists now, it's often quite meaningless. There are people very, very high in money lists who maybe only have one big result in a super high roller. And, you know, the question about like what percentage of those, you know, some people are playing with 2%, 4%, et cetera. Um, <clears throat> The, the the buy level that you're talking about here that's still sort of the heartbeat of live poker um it's it's where most people live um so therefore it's kind of the, the most level playing field um and it is like nice to see that recognized for sure absolutely well look there are a lot of other awards and i know i can't ask you your opinion eric but dara and i haven't received our ballots yet so we we would be allowed to express our picks now or at least sort of people we think will be in the picture. That'd be okay, wouldn't it? Sure, sure, sure. Okay, let's do it, Dara. Breakout player of the year. Um, I mean, this is a hard one. Uh, but um, it's... You're going to say Jack Hardcastle, aren't you? Yeah, I am actually. <laughs> I, know we're, I know we're explicitly not allowed to... Uh, do people we work with and that's understandable um but jack is a close friend of mine you're gonna give it to me you're gonna well did i break out this year no no it it feels no it it feels like nepotism saying jack but jack has had an incredible year he's very very high up the ranks he's he's the number one ranked uk player he's absolutely crushed it on all fronts this year uh live um it's no surprise to anybody who knows him uh, that this that this was coming, I think. Um, so uh, when I was actually thinking about this category, he didn't immediately pop to mind because I kind of think of Jack having been around for a lot longer than he actually is. But yeah, I guess it has to be Jack Hardcastle. Well, that was how I was going to push back. I was going to say, did we not? Did we not personally nominate him for breakout player in 2019 and 2020? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, one of our early. Um, Guests on this show was Tom Kitt, and Tom Kitt famously used to win Best Newcomer every single year at the Irish Poker Awards, <laughs> <laughs> which was kind of down to the fact that people kind of forgot that he previously got it, and he just seemed to be come from nowhere every year. Maybe Jack has a bit the same to him, but yeah, I think like you, you can go through different levels. You could you could be the best breakout player one year because you've suddenly gone from like nowhere to top 200 in the world, um, and that seems like a great thing. But then if you jump from there to where Jack is now, I think top 20 or so. That's that's also a breakout performance. So I don't think it necessarily has to be the case that you've just because you've won it before, you can't win it again. Absolutely. I think his ascent has been uh, pretty meteoric. So I think it does qualify. However, I'm going to say Vanessa Cade. I think kind of England has made a very good late charge there. She might be in the picture for uh, the, uh, the the mid stakes tour stuff. But I think Vanessa Cade's sort of rise via the big poker stars online win and then some genuinely big high roller sort of final tables. I think maybe three back to back or almost back to back final tables then in the summer were, were very impressive indeed. Final table performance, Dara. <laughs> I have watched so few final tables. I just feel ridiculously underqualified to even make a, a pronouncement of this. Um Jack didn't win any of the final tables that he was on that I watched, so I can't give it to Jack. You can't vote for Jack um, in every category. Jesus Christ. Uh, um, 
I will say David Doherty's performance uh, on, on the UK IBT, that was extremely impressive. And in terms of how he adjusted as well to the fact that, you know, he, he basically admitted that he was not as good as Dominic Nietzsche and he therefore had to play differently against Dominic as he would against other players that he felt he had a skill edge over. I think all of those things added up together made for a very, very impressive performance. But again, you know, now I'm going down the road of I'm just giving all the awards to friends of mine, which is partly because that's the only time I watch a final table. (laughs) So if I'm going to try and step back and try and be objective, first of all, I would say it's this is very difficult because, you know, when you watch a final table, you will often watch, you're watching because you know some of the pros and you're looking specifically to see if they can make mistakes so you can take the piss out of them for weeks <laughs> afterwards and say, what, what on earth were you thinking in that hand? I've watched lots of performances where the pros haven't made a single mistake. And, you know, it's a bit like show jumping. It's like, so what? Like, you know, you, <laughs> you, you have to jump over 20 fences. You didn't knock any of them, but like 20 other horses did the same thing. So we have to do, we have to do the same we have to go. We have to go all. We all. We all have to go again and make it more and more difficult. Until eventually, only one person gets over all the fences, but we don't get to do that in uh, in, in in poker. We just see a, a sort of a sample size of one. So maybe just then we have to focus on what's the biggest occasion and who did the best on that. And obviously, the biggest occasion is WSP main event final table. It was won by Correa Aldemir. Correa made no mistakes on the final table. He played perfectly from start to finish. He actually had a couple of spots where he had to sort of think outside the box against um, recreational players rather than just his usual, you know, well, let's GTO this up, try and imagine the PO solution in my head and do that. Um, and I think he came through that test very, very well. Um, he he was obviously the recipient of the donation early from, from one of the... Um, the, the the fun players let's call them and then heads up the final hand um that was also that played very differently from the way it would have against another play another pro and and he found the correct call so yeah okay i'll i'll, I'll give it to Correa with a very honorable mention to david dar dar is he one of your best friends as well dar <laughs> no i don't know Correa at all so this is why i feel i feel well that's good that's good i'm getting away from nepotism completely i've never i don't think i've ever even spoken to Correa, so i can't be accused of nepotism on this one well, I'm going to say I have written down because I put I just in case I couldn't remember the names and the two names I have are Karai Aldemir and David Dargadi. So I'm completely in agreement with you there, Dara. Hey. Best vlogger. I pick Greg goes all in. Who do you think, Dara? Yeah, I think this is a no-brainer. Greg goes all in by far. He's yeah. just he's just miles out. I don't like vloggers. I don't watch vloggers. Um, he's hilarious and uh he just has a wonderful tongue-in-cheek approach to the whole thing. He's he's brought in a massive amount of value because his stuff can also be consumed by players who are not um, particularly sophisticated. It's not uh, you know aimed at the at the elite players, but also everybody can get something out of it. I think that's what I really like. Um, he he pitches it at a very good level, and he's just a hilarious guy. Next one I have here is best streamer. We both have to do a really long pregnant pause before making our pick on this one. Yeah, well, obviously, first of all, you know, we're not allowed to uh, vote for people that we. Uh, we oh, thank uh, God for that. Work with. So, oh, therefore, un- unfortunately, that 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 rules out the wonderful um, uh, universe streamers of Lyle, um, Emily, and there's a I think there's a third guy, but I can't. There's remember definitely another one I can't remember. Oh, there is another one, yeah, but they're but they're all very good. Even the even the guy I can't remember, um, and. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to I'm going to pick Kevin Martin. I think Kevin is just so smooth in terms of his presentation. I kind of feel that the 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 key appeal of Twitch is similar to sort of radio show hosts where people just listen every night to listen to the music that they're going to play, even though it's kind of always the same. And so they're really there for the sort of the personality of the 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 streamer and um, how well they communicate. I think Kevin communicates amazingly well with everybody. I also think the arc of his story has been wonderful. He's a, he's basically he was a guy that we didn't really take too seriously at the start. We thought he was just a, a reality show pretty boy trying his hand at poker. He's risen right through the ranks to point where he's a legit crusher now. Um, but he's still, you know, he still walks among the people as it were. He's still very very relatable. Um, that's because yeah, he's Canadian, of course. Mm. Another Canadian pick. Now he's now he's a, a, a you know reality star, pretty boy who also can do quite well in high rollers. Right. <laughs> Fair play to him. Best broadcaster, Dara O'Carney. What is your pick? Yeah, I, I had a long think about this one because I was thinking like, um, I mean, my natural bias is towards people who do strategy, but I want to get away from that because I guess best broadcaster is 
somebody who can relate um, to, 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 you know, the general poker fan. And it's hard to look beyond the WSOP team of um, Jamie, uh, Norman and Lon. And uh, they, they, they did a wonderful job again this year and they, they, they work together. So, so, you know, maybe lump the three of them together, but if I had to pick out one, of those three, I'm going to pick Lon because I think Lon doesn't get enough love. Um, the other two, their roles are very, very obvious and they do them very well. But Lon's kind of the glue in the middle. It's a bit like when somebody was talking once about what a great um, dancer Fred Astaire was. Somebody pointed out, yeah, but Ginger Rogers had to do everything he was doing backwards, right. moving backwards, which is even more difficult. Lon is the guy in the middle who kind of has to set them up for their jokes and, and respond to them and basically be the audience member. And I think he does that job incredibly well, better than anybody else. So, yeah, Lon McCarran for me. Well, I have uh, a note actually here of uh, it, it says, uh, David, you better pick me because I rigged it for you last time round. I was playing the long game. So you would choose me for this category in 2022 from Jamie Kerstetter. So I guess that's my pick. I guess I have to go with Jamie. <laughs> um, uh, best industry person, Dara O'Carney, who's your pick? Yeah, again, this is one I, I, I struggle with, as I said, because I don't even know what an industry person is and how we would judge them. Uh, you know, there are people who are obviously a very big deal within the industry. But for me, it kind of comes down to, as I said earlier, when we're talking about Kev Math, uh, who provides the most value to players. And that's always been Kev Math for me. Um, ever since Kev Math has come on the scene, he's the guy that when I think of somebody who just provides a huge amount of value to players, is willing to help them out. And also just generally promotes other people. Uh, you know, Eric said he promoted him when he was coming up on the, on the way up. It was the same for us. Like Kev was a huge help to us in the early days of the chip race, getting the word out that we weren't just a parochial Irish podcast. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, for me, it's going to be Kev. Yeah, great selection in Kev. No one would uh, be, be sad to hear his name. Also, I think, you know, in the mix there, maybe Tom Wheaton is a good shout, but Probably my selection actually will be Jenny Just. I think Jenny Just has very much behind the scenes created a platform in Poker Power where a huge number of women are being able to flex in a big way and sort of push the issues that women have in poker and the visibility of women in poker, maybe better than we've ever seen anyone be able to achieve that. And I think she's the person sort of pulling the strings, maybe, uh, you know, behind the scenes there. And I think uh, her contributions, while invisible to many, are, are, are huge and noteworthy. Best event? Well, I only went to two events last year, Dara, so it's got to be either the IPO in Dublin or the WSOP. Um, might have to give it to the WSOP on scale. Sorry, Unibet, but also I'm not allowed to pick you because of the, the conflict of rules. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I enjoyed both events that I went to. Um, I wasn't sure whether this had to be best live event, given there were so few live events. I think in terms oh, of okay, an, I didn't think of that. An overall industry event. I mean. D- was it even this year, though? This is the problem. I'm having problems with years. Uh, was Dean Eggs Poke this year or was that last year? Um, uh, both. Ended, ended both. This year. both. I think it ended in this year. I think in terms of just getting eyes on poker, et cetera, et cetera, in a very difficult time for poker, that was undoubtedly the biggest event. Um, for, for the live event, I mean, it was great to see the WCB back. It was a kind of a bittersweet affair with it being the last one at the Rio. And it was a little bit strange with all the masks and vaccinations and people who couldn't play, et cetera, et cetera. But it was kind of great to be reminded that um, that live poker will come back after the pandemic. Um, and the same was true, actually, of the IPO. Um, the, the, I would say the biggest feeling of uh, of the players who played the IPO was sort of a mixture of joy and relief um, that they were finally getting to play live poker again. <clears throat> and that was, a, that, that was an amazing event as well. Can the GPI Awards be best event? Can they win their own award? Is that possible, Eric? No, no. No? But, but there's a trophy for best trophy. That's right. And we're not eligible to win that one. <laughs> there's a trophy for best trophy. This is getting there's a trophy for best trophy, which will, will by definition have to be an inferior trophy. That's right. That's correct. That award, by the way, will be um, the final list will be determined by the panel, by you guys, uh, by you two, especially really? wow. hundreds of other people. Too. 
we're setting ballots over 350 people, but you two will decide. We However, two votes the, each. <laughs> the final vote will be a fan vote. So the fans will have three categories to vote in this year. So the fans will determine best trophy, which we thought was a fun uh, category to have the fans vote on. And we actually can't wait to have uh, the fans uh, vote on best hand, best trophy, and poker personality of the year, uh, as has been tradition, uh, that last one. Uh, but we thought that you know having a list of 40 trophies for fans would have been probably a little too much. So we'll get uh, we'll get the um, the voting panel to whittle that down to about eight or nine, and then uh, the fans will decide. And uh, you'll, you'll you will both see when you get your ballots. Uh, it's the only one that doesn't really have a description of you know what you should be looking for. It's hey what do you think is the best trophy? And it can be anything you want. It could be the surfboard down South, or it could be um, somewhere in South Dakota where they have two shotguns as a trophy. You know, can be that as well. So, but that'll definitely be a fun category. It's just a MAGA hat. It's just That's one right. of the trophies. Hey. <laughs> okay. I'm very conscious of not taking up too much of your time. I'm possibly That's your busiest right. day of the year, Eric. So I have a few more. We'll try and do a quick fire you and me, Dara. Best journalist. I have a few down here. I have Paul Seaton. John Pill, who I think is the maybe breakout best journalist in poker, if that's the category that can be sub-created. Um, and then just any of the people from Poker Fuse, because I really have a huge amount of time for data journalists and they do it so professionally there, the team, obviously, Nick and Sam and Anoush, and I just think they're brilliant. So uh, I, I would put them in the mix. Dara, your thoughts? Yeah, I'd agree with all those. And I'm, I'm particularly Paul. Um, I think Paul just does amazing work year in, year out. Um, Paul was one of my... 14 bluff Europe editors that they never seem to last very long in that job. Um, and he was, he was by far the one that I enjoyed working the most with. Um, it is great to see him still uh, pumping out great content. Um, yeah. So, okay. Paul for me. Yeah. Paul does great work these days for gamble online. Obviously he has in the past, or I think he still probably writes a little bit for poker news, a little bit for card player lifestyle. He, he freelances around a bit, but I think that's his steady gig after the Calvin air gig previously. Um, best written content I've written down end game poker strategy here uh, I didn't read it but someone told me it was quite good Dari your thoughts um, yeah I think uh, end game poker strategy by Barry Carter is definitely the best <laughs> book of the year um, Bar- Barry's a wonderful guy as well and, and Barry deserves Bar- Barry's really really depressed about the fact he's never been given a GPI award right. um, I was going to give him an honourable mention in the industry section uh, because he sort of just does so much. He he puts out these great strategy books completely on his own, I have to say. And, uh, you know, he's written The Mental Game of Poker. He's written this one. He's written a book on poker satellites. He's written a book on PKO poker strategy. Uh, and he turns out so many strategy articles a year. And then his Twitter also is just really good. Like he's, Barry's hilarious. I, I, I'm surprised Barry doesn't get more love for his comedy. I think Barry's real talent is comedy. Um, but it is a very dry wit and he doesn't put in emojis into his tweets. So a lot of people just don't realize it's funny. Um, but yeah, I would, I would like to see Barry get an award this year for uh, Endgame Poker Strategy, which is entirely his own work. And is also hilarious. In its own way. <laughs> yeah, well, one of the better reviews for that was actually that that I, I didn't expect this book to be quite such a page turner. I thought it was <laughs> going to be really boring and full of charts because it's about ICM, but actually it's it's so well written. Um and you know, again, that's that's all Barry. Barry's just put his own personality into it. Um and it's all those sex scenes you put into it as well, Dara. That really made it a page turner for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as you said, you haven't read it. <laughs> Um, moving on best video content well until a couple of weeks ago I would have actually said the Triton Million coverage Uh, I thought that was superbly done Uh, some Greg goes all in videos are obviously in the mix there as you said Dara he manages to have a crossover appeal sometimes they're like a minute long but you watch them like 10 times because they're so funny and you watch them again and again Uh, but I actually have to say having watched your episode uh, I hadn't watched any of the other episodes until then but having watched your episode which I guess technically came out in 2021 but most of the document three quarters of the documentary came out in 2020 so or sorry in 2022 three quarters of it came out in 2021 maybe making it eligible would be the finished documentary that you are a part of now Dara it's on the list yes yeah I thought that was incredible Uh, I I I, I was I mean I, I I was optimistic because obviously having having spoke to the guys they seemed very clued in and you know just just to explain like my section was literally uh recorded 
on, on, on no sleep at the end of the IPO. So I was extremely worried it was going to come across really, really badly. They did an amazing edit job to make me sound vaguely coherent. Um, but the whole series is really, really good. It, 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 it has a very good narrative arc to it where they talk, they start to start with the Finnish poker community. They interview Jens Kulin and then they move to Monaco to the most famous person who's come from um, Finland in poker terms, Patrick Antonius. And uh, he had very two episodes, two very interesting episodes, and then and then they moved on to Dublin, where, um, where uh, you, Uniki or however you say it, that uh, Finnish rapper's name, uh, played, and um, and the, and they obviously interviewed me. Uh, but the thing was really put together well and very very well, for want of a better word, scripted. Um, I know Mick Antonin put a lot of thought into that, uh, and the. It's not aimed at sort of like the died in the wool poker fan. It's aimed at a more mainstream audience. And that's something we don't see enough of in poker. I think a lot, a lot of what we see as content and is judged as good content is stuff which really only appeals to people who are already in poker. I think that's very, very useful. Yeah, I think it's so massively important to, I guess, and this may be turning back to you for this question, Eric, just ways in which we can grow the game. Clearly, the award ceremony themselves is a, is a sort of an attempt to shine a spotlight on the various different content creators and industry people who you know contribute so much. It, you know, you have player awards in there as you should, but really, it's sort of not a night for the players. The, the nights for the players are the nights when the players win all their money in the tournaments all the way through the year and whatnot. And this is really for the people who sort of put in the the graft and the and the hard work and shining a spotlight on on the work they do with the hope that it sort of gets a bit more attention on the game itself. Definitely. I mean, one thing we did two, three award shows ago now, I forget, but media content used to be one category. Now it's three. You know, that that's important because we would see video videographers, although they would get a little more credit, but photographers would not. Photographers would not be included in, in most of what we did. So, you know, that was important to us too. There's so many talented photographers. I think we have 14 or 15 pictures that have been submitted to the list this year. That's quite impressive given that there weren't a ton of events happening around worldwide. So, you know, that's an important part. So those photographers would not be, you know, other than the Joe Hirons and you know, the Neil, the Neil Channings, you know, the, not the Neil Channings, the Neil Stoddard, sorry. Uh, you know, the big names, uh, photographers, uh, you know, all the rising stars there as well. So uh, I'm glad that you mentioned that finished documentary. That's another great entry that we have on the list that we're excited to see. Um, it's, it's, it's new, it's fresh blood, it's people that are getting into industry or were doing poker before, but are doing poker, you know, in a in a different way now, that's important to us as well. So we hope, you know, we hope that uh, the awards do, you know, give some uh, some exposure to people that uh, absolutely deserve it. Absolutely. And finally, although there are lots of other awards, I think you've mentioned a few of the ones that I, are not on my list, but I did just scribble down a few that we could just have a little bit of banter over, is Best Live Tournament Reporter. Now, Dara, I know you and I are going to be in complete agreement on this. In fact, I think there's going to be a sort of riot at the Poker Go studios if the, the, this person doesn't win because we feel it's overdue at this point. Yeah, this is one of those uh, awards which kind of seems like a no-brainer. Um, I was thinking about this. Um, what was the name of that girl at the World Series who didn't even know she was interviewing? Um, anyway, not her. It has to be Kristen <laughs> Sanchez. She, she, she sometimes mixed up the baldy lads, I think. Was that what happened? Yeah, no, it's it's up to... Uh, it, Christian, like, Christian is just the perfect guy. Like, he's... He, He's the other polar opposite. Like, I think a mistake a lot of live reporters make when they get into live reporting is they sort of focus on the big names that they know and they maybe fanboy, fanboy them, fangirl them, whatever. Um, Christian just knows everybody. Like, everybody, even who is famous within poker, will tell you that Christian knew about them before, uh, be be before they were famous. And he just churns the content out. And in terms of accuracy, it's always so amazing as well. Um, and one of the bugbears of players is how often hands get misreported. And, you know, a hand which is misreported badly can actually affect your your career, essentially. Um, people will form an impression of you as a bad player, and then you'll go, well, I didn't actually play like that. The stacked pot ratio was actually only one. So obviously, I went all in with my, with my second pair on the flop. Um, Christian just, yeah, he, he, he knows all the players. He knows poker. He writes very well. He focuses on what's important. And uh, he, yeah, he's an absolute workhorse, which, you know, I kind of laugh about that because we got him to do the German translation of our satellite book. And I thought, okay, well, this will be done in a week. No, he's the slowest translator in the history of translators. 
Um, and Carlos, who did the Spanish <laughs> version, Carlos, who did the Spanish version, translated all three books faster than than uh, Christian did one chapter. Uh, Giada, who did the Italian version, Simon, they were all way faster. He took like 18 months. He took longer than we wrote, took to write the book to translate so, it. So best and fastest live tournament reporter, slowest book translator. So that could be a category on its own for next year. Another category, it. yes, of course. <laughs> now, we love Christian. And actually, Christian falls into, I suppose, what's going to be my last question for you before we let you go, Eric, which is I suppose getting the balance right across the world. Now, it's funny when I think of like getting the balance right, I, I kind of mean uh, a lot of the time very prejudicially more Europeans because the Americans sort of get to swarm it a bit. But of right. course, that's Canadians, that's Europeans, but actually the rest of the world sort of South almost Americans, gets no looking. Yeah, absolutely. Th- that's, that's my goal. And it's funny because we had that discussion the last time we talked about awards, which was two years ago. Sadly, this year is a little bit of a challenge because uh, most of the poker was, was you know, US heavy. Uh, that said, our POI is from Bosnia. Our, uh, our mid-major player of the year is uh, from Azerbaijan. Nadia Magnus wasn't born in the States. You know, so we did have a lot of non, you know, non-Americans performing so my goal is always and we've talked about this before david is to not only expose europe uh south america i always say the bsop gets the shaft every single award ceremony we do they do these events that have thousands of people and they seem to get you know they they get forgotten in asia there's so much stuff that's happening If, if you spend an hour seeing what's going on in Korea. That's our next big, big focus is the Korean market. We get probably more results from Korea than any other country other than the States in the world daily. We usually have one person doing Korean results, only Korean results every day. And it's complicated, right? It's different. Uh, There are names that repeat and there are names that we're not familiar with. So the work that's being done and the work from the people in in Korea is quite quite remarkable. Japan, the same Japan, the next, you know, that could be the home of the next poker boom if everything is opened up and they agree to do do live gambling, then we could have a poker boom in Japan. And, you know, so it's not just about, I always say to me, I think it's too U.S., and European focused, I, I understand your point saying that it's not enough about Europe, but I really want it to be global. One thing you'll see from us is that we'll be reaching out to global personalities. The poker personality uh, trophy, it's, it's, a, it's a popularity vote. So why not reach out to these big platforms in, in Brazil, in Argentina, in France, in Japan? There is a person on YouTube in Japan that has more subscribers than Brad Owen does. And that's not seen, but he gets millions of people to watch his videos. That man should get, you know, should get uh, his people to vote for him, for him to get nominated for the Poker Personality Award. And I think that's where that that category is going to be really, really important to us. If we can, if we can have a mission accomplished there, that we can get these people, you know, to have an international flair to that category. I think we will have won, and I think that's going to, you know, give more exposure to the awards, more exposure to the company, which is also always important. I'm never shy to say that. You know, it's important that the GPI, which is you know, known very much in Asia, but Hennemob isn't. Uh, and in Europe, where it's more Hennemob and not not as much GPI, you know, so it's just the education throughout. So, you know, it's, it's a win-win-win. And uh, we're excited. That's one category that I'm hopeful that is going to be a global category. And if people from the U.S. want to be nominated, well, it would be their job to get their people to vote for them. So, you know, just to create competition uh, that way, it's always fun to see, you know, you know, some of these poker personality awards, if you don't share, uh, hey, vote for me, you end up with, you know, someone with 10 votes. And you're like, that makes no sense. This person is gets, you know, 100,000 views on Twitter and then they only get 10 votes. So that's one category I'm hopeful for. And I am hopeful that one day these awards will be 1,000%, I'm kidding, 100% global every single category. My goal would be to have, you know, a mixture of, you know, of people from every end of the world in each category. You know, we actually thought about doing that, about the final four should be one person from Asia, one person from South America, but that's forcing it. It's forcing it and it's unfair. If there are three Americans that deserve to be on the ballot, well, then the three Americans need to be to be recognized. It's unfair to punish them. So as you know, that, you know, the awards are one of my passion projects and it, it does disappoint me when I see uh, you know 90% of the ballot uh, being American. 
But, you know, there's also things to celebrate. Two award shows ago, we had, I believe, four women win trophies. Uh, this year, out of the 350 people that are getting ballots, I think it's 100 and some women are getting ballots. Like, that's uh, things to celebrate. So, and hopefully that poker personality ends up being four people from four ends of the world. And I can be very proud to, uh, to say that, uh, you know, mission accomplished with that one. And hopefully that'll bring even more eyes to those people and more eyes to the award. So long story short, I agree with you. There needs to be you know, a change in that. I think it's, it's cultural. I think that for all of us, even if we're not American, uh, you know, America dominates the poker world. Over 50% of the traffic on the Henna Mob is still American. So everyone is still programmed that way. So that, you know, in our brain, in our minds, sometimes we do forget about that one, you know, that one success story in Brazil, one success story in Argentina. And that's important to bring those to the limelight as well. Again, this year will be difficult for that, but it is my, uh, my, my mission in life that, uh, one, one year, we all, all three of us sit down and are proud to say that the awards are, you know, a 30% American and then 70% rest of the world mix, not just Europe, not just Canada, but some of the great nations that uh, love poker as well. Really well said, Eric. And on that note, a final reminder to you all out there that the GPI Global Poker Awards Ceremony will be available to watch on Poker Go on Friday, February 14th, almost live. I think they put like maybe a 10 second delay in case somebody does something horrific. Um, yeah. uh, <laughs> that is it for another episode of The Lock In. It remains for me to thank Dara O'Carney. Thank you, David. Happy New Year to you and all of our viewers slash listeners. Absolutely. And of course, our special guest, Eric Denis. Eric, thank you so much. Thank you, gentlemen.